0: Welcome to Eagle Eye Perspectives Podcast. This is Brian Eichelberger. Today is Sunday, May 13th, 2018. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about overcoming the spirit of poverty that I believe is in the house of of God. It's it's among the body of Christ. Um, I just want to say that a few weeks ago, I had sent out a couple of videos and I had said in the email that the videos were just a beginning point, and my wife and I were then going to try to do some podcasts. Uh, with the podcast, we tend to get things out a little quicker and a little sooner. It takes less editing, and it's just simpler to, to do. There will be times that we still may go back to videos, but for now, we're just going to work on the, the podcast and try to get those words out to people through video, or I'm sorry, through audio. Um, with the podcast, uh, things are going to be a little bit more relaxed. Um, I'm just sitting in my office and I'm just going to share from my heart um, the things that the Lord has given and th- something that I think that he's saying presently to us and has given us a sign and a wonder in the earth ahead of time that, um, that bears that this word has relevance and truth in the hour where we are living in. I just want to say that as I begin to share some of these things, I know I'm going to be talking to people from different backgrounds, um, whether it's denominationally or uh, different um, places that you are in your maturity with the Lord. But I wanted to say, I felt it was important to at least give a little background on this, that when we're talking about the prophetic, uh, we're talking about hearing from the Lord, receiving insight or revelation from God. And when that comes forth, there's usually three aspects. One, it's the revelation. What did God say? Secondly, it's the interpretation, because he speaks in symbols and types. Um, He's not the same every time. He doesn't want us to know him by traditions or by methods or formulas. um, But we have to know him in spirit, by heart. It's having a relationship with him. And after the interpretation... Which means, what does it mean that he was saying? The third part is the application. How does this apply? Now, sometimes the Lord will give us all three parts, and sometimes he doesn't. The scripture says that we know in part, and we prophesy in part. So even that which I have is just a part of what I'm going to be sharing in this time that he might be saying concerning the spirit of poverty. So um, I'm just releasing the part that I have, that I feel the Lord has given to me, to release to you, and the Holy Spirit will then add to it, or He will bring other people along who will um, have bits and pieces or teachings along with it. Sometimes all I may have will be the revelation; I may not give an interpretation to it. Sometimes somebody else will have to come and give the interpretation and the application. Um, just so you know, these things that I am sharing, I have bounced off of other people already. And so that which I'm sharing, has, um, I've had a group of three to six people who have already uh, heard what I'm about to share with you. Um, so some of them have already imparted a little bit to this message. So I thank them for that. Um, this was a dream that I had at the beginning of this year. It was January 19th, 2018. I have it in my, um, my notebook here. It was on a Friday. And it was very simple. When I was was in this dream, I was laying down on the roof of a house. I did not know if this house was my house or not. I, I sensed that it was somebody's house. That I didn't feel like it was mine, but I could see the neighborhood. It was a house in the neighborhood. So I felt like this had to, you know, it it applied to whoever it applied to. This could be any house, but specifically the house's of those of of the saints, those who are in the body of Christ. So I was laying on the roof of this house, and I had a sense that I was there to inspect the roof. Though I felt nothing, I saw it was winter time because there were several inches of snow laying on the rooftop, and I could see snow on the street, snow in the yard. But I also recognized that there was a falling out that was taking place. Uh, the snow was beginning to melt. The temperature wasn't like the dead of winter. You you were in that in between that winter and getting ready to come into springtime season. So there was a thawing out, and um, when I looked down over the side of the house because I was laying on my stomach, I could see directly into the basement of the house, and it was a concrete floor. And I saw a bunch of maybe eight inch uh, round poles that was holding up, you know, that was connected into the foundation and holding up the rest of the house. So what I saw was down into the foundation of the house. And I saw that there were several inches of water that had made its way in. Somehow this water had creeped in um, through an opening and it was flooding the basement. And so I went ahead and So I noticed everything was beginning to fall out. I thought maybe it was because of this thaw that this water was getting into the basement. But I wasn't sure. I obviously knew there was a crack somewhere in the foundation. And so I went to inspect it again. So I just rolled off of the roof roof, and I landed on my feet. It was only about a three or four foot drop from the roof to the ground, which, you know, is kind of not normal. Um, as I landed on my feet, i walked right into the basement. And as I was walking through the basement, I saw a man walk in front of me. Now, once I got into the basement, I no longer saw that the basement was flooded. This man walking across my path got my attention and he was dressed as a homeless man, um, long scraggly beard. Uh, he wasn't clean. His clothes looked like he had been, you know, on the street. And I knew immediately when I saw this that I was dealing with a spirit of poverty. And I knew that this was not just a demon. And I'm saying I knew this in the dream, not afterwards, but I knew in the dream that I was not just dealing with a demon. A demon you cast out. Jesus, cast, Jesus casted out the demons. But uh in Ephesians six one says, "We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle, and we wrestle against powers and principalities and evil forces and wicked forces in in the heavenly realm, and so those you tend to have to go hand to hand combat with, so this was not just a demon, it was a principality, a stronghold that was in the house, and it was moving about, and I immediately grabbed." This spirit, and he was extremely light. When I grabbed him, I mean, light as a feather. And I punched him as hard as I could with my right fist, I'm right-handed, three times in his face. And I brought him up to my face to get a good look into his face. And my punches, with everything that I threw, had no impact on him, none. So then I took him, and I grabbed him by his jacket with my right hand, my left hand, I grabbed the back of his head, and I rammed his face into these metal poles four or five times, as hard as I could. And after I did that four or five times, I grabbed him and brought him to my face again. And I looked at him, and again, there was, there was no change. Uh, there was no impact on him at all, either from the punches or from ramming his head and his face into those metal poles. And he looked at me. And he says, Brian, you don't understand. I have a legal right. So this spirit was telling me he had a legal right to be in the house. And there's nothing that I could do about that. And and as you will see later as we begin to unfold this dream a little bit, he is right. He's correct about that. There are certain things that demons and principalities, we as the sons of God, as the children have given them, Right to enter into the house. And so it's for us to break that legal right. But before we get to that, I just want to walk through some parts of, of this dream and uh, begin to share some things that the Lord over a period of time showed me concerning this spirit of poverty. Um, let me just start by defining what I felt like the Lord gave me uh, as far as the spirit of, of poverty. And this isn't necessarily about wealth. I mean, it could manifest itself into the natural to impact somebody's wealth or the way that they view or see money, but that's really not the point of it. It's really the spirit of poverty. This is just a working definition. I understand other people in the body of Christ might see it a little differently or might add to it. Remember, this is just what I felt like the Lord was giving to me, and I'm just sharing it with you. But the spirit of poverty is a stronghold or a principality. It's established to keep us from entering into the promises of God and the inheritance of God that Jesus has accomplished at the cross and in the resurrection. These are things that Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, the very goal of this actually, is to keep us as orphans rather than us operating and living in the fullness of our inheritance As sons of God. Now, I'm going to explain a little bit more about this inheritance, but before I do, I want to talk about this thawing out. I felt like the thawing out, and I knew this after the dream, after I woke up, that this thawing out had to do with a period of time. In other words, I felt like it was a time and a season that would happen in the natural that would confirm this word. The Lord sometimes does that in dreams, and so what happened, this happened on January 19th. Now, I live in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area. My wife and I actually live in Bowie, Maryland. And starting within a week after that, and normally our Januarys and Februarys are the coldest part of winter for us in, in this area. And uh, what, what happened almost immediately within a week, things started to warm up. You know, we went from 30 degree weathers as highs, our highs being in the 30s, to our highs were being in the mid-40s, 50 degrees. When we entered into February, we actually had um, eight days in February that were over 60 degrees. They said it was the, the warmest February on record. And so things quickly went from the 20s and 30s, and we immediately almost like we went into springtime. You know, there was a falling out period immediately. At the end of February, my wife and I, for our anniversary... We always go up to a, a bed and breakfast called uh, Lake Point Inn. It's a deep creek lake in in Maryland. It's right across from the whisp Ski Resort. And uh, the lake there is almost always frozen. And it usually freezes 18 to 20 inches deep. So we go up there to celebrate and uh, our, our anniversary, and we're up there on a Thursday. And I asked the young lady, I noticed the lake was just flowing, and uh, it was not frozen or anything. And so I asked the young lady I said at at Deep Creek Lake this this bed and breakfast I said so when did things begin to or when did the lake be, begin to flow you know what happened and she said well it thawed out about a day or two before you arrived and again it was it was a thawing out period now this is this is the, what the Lord is trying to say about the spirit of poverty. When this stronghold or this principality is broken, it's like somebody who is under its rule or under its impact or under its influence. It's like coming from a cold, dark winter season and the falling out takes place and you begin to enter into spring. So when, when we are under the influence of this principality, We're under the influence of this stronghold. It's going through a cold, dark season in our lives. But when God sets us free and that deliverance begins to take place, then we're going from the cold, dark wintertime and we're beginning to move towards springtime. And that's what it feels like. So as the Lord has really shown us um, that, you know, this is a time and a season for this to happen now and for us to get set free now from the spirit of poverty, we need to, again, understand a little bit about the spirit of poverty. So what does that mean? What does it do? How does it function? And so I've explained a little bit of of a working definition. One of the things that I said was that it tries to keep us out of the inheritance of the Lord, the promises of God. And so I want to read something here in the scriptures, Romans chapter 8 through uh, verses 12 through 17. Romans eight twelve through 17 says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption, as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. If children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if we indeed, if indeed, excuse me, we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. So the Lord makes a a direct connection. That word, children of God, sometimes in some translations is actually the sons of God. Now we know the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And that's because the sons, you can't be a son unless you have a father. So those who are in Christ, once we believe, in Jesus Christ and accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that's got to come by the heart, believing in the heart, not intellectually. Okay, remember Romans 10, 9 and 10 mentions this. It's by believing in the heart, and we confess with the mouth, believe in the heart, then we shall be saved. So it's not an intellectual understanding of the story and what Jesus did. It's by it's by the um, believing in the heart. Now. Once we, so God himself has called us heirs and to be an an heir means you have an inheritance. The word heir is in the word inheritance. So it's just the same as it is in the natural. So it is in the spiritual. How do you gain an inheritance or how do you become an heir um, to your parents? Well, you were born again. You're just born. You didn't have to do anything but just be born, and your father and your mother, they have certain belongings and resources, and you now have a legal right uh, as an heir to an, an inheritance. Well, when we're born again of the Spirit, like Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and said we're born again of the Spirit, we become a son. And if we become a son of God, immediately just by believing, then as a son, God has an inheritance. He has a promise for us. Now, we're going to see here in the scriptures where he mentions this several times. And it's all over the scriptures, but I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Give me a second as I turn there. Excuse me. Ephesians 1. I'm just going to read a few verses in Ephesians 1. And we're going to start around verse 11. He says this. I'll start with verse 10. With a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. In him, in Christ, just by believing, we have obtained an inheritance. Didn't have to do anything. Didn't have to work for an inheritance or the promise of God didn't have to do that. He says, look, this is because you're a son and you believed in Christ Jesus and you became a son through the spirit of adoption. I have an inheritance for you. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose. He works all things after the counsel of his will. So he's doing this because of the counsel of his will. Verse 14, Ephesians 1, 14. Who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, he was speaking about the Holy Spirit, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. I'm going to drop down again. Ephesians 1 verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the, is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? So we see right there that God has an inheritance for us. And once we're born again, we are an heir and the son is the heir. We read that in Romans chapter eight. And so we have an inheritance. We have a promise by God. Now, again, if we go back and we just look from the natural perspective, you know, the inheritance is given to an heir, and the heir is usually a third party beneficiary. In other words, two parties had made an agreement with each other, and in that agreement, they had certain resources or properties or possessions that they then would give to that heir. Well, in Hebrews chapter 6, we'll see that there was two parties that came together. And in in this these two parties in this covenant, and it was God making a covenant to Abraham, but God swore by himself. So there's the two parties. God is swearing to God. He says this. In Hebrews 6:15, And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Now, he's talking about Abraham obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. Verse 17. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge will have taken encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Well, what was the promise? God promised himself that he was going to fulfill the promise for Abraham. He even came down, I believe it was in Genesis 15 and then again in 17, and he told Abraham to make... You know, set, set the wood and all that kind of stuff and, and a deep sleep fell upon Abraham and God walked through the midst of the fire. He began to prophesy and then God himself walked through the midst of the fire to fulfill the promise. It was a sign, but Abraham was put to sleep when God did it. You know, all we have to do is believe and then rest. And the promises of God are given to the people. It's given to the sons. We have an inheritance. And so the sons have an inheritance. But what the enemy's trying to do, he's trying to get us to live not as sons, but to live as an orphan. So we need to understand that there's a difference between being a son and being an orphan. So I'm going to spend a couple of minutes of talking about this. I'm going to go into greater detail in some future podcasts on the orphan and the son. Today I just want to give a Brief background on it so we can move forward concerning the relation to the spirit of poverty. Because a lot of it does center around this orphan mentality. Now, what is an orphan? Well, by definition, an orphan is one who's fatherless. They have no father. But we know that as sons, we have a father. And we are his heirs. And we have an inheritance by promise, which God promised to himself. And we know that he fulfills his promises. So an orphan is one who may or who does not have a father. He may be a non-believer completely. Or it can be a believer who might be saved, but their mindsets, their attitudes, their belief systems, they're walking out the life of an orphan. It's as if they're living in a way that they've Said we believe the promise, but we're not walking in the promises. We're going to live our lives the way that, that we want to live it. So an orphan tries to get or to do in order to be blessed for that which God has already promised to provide for us. Now God made several promises in the old covenant or old testament. Excuse me. He promised to Israel that he would bless them as a nation and bless the nations that they were in. He said he would protect them and provide for them and that no disease nor sickness could come upon them. So here's a promise already that God made as a covenant to Israel. And he says, I'm going to protect. I'm going to provide. You're going to be a blessing in the earth. Nations will be blessed because of you. And no disease or sickness will come near you. So he promises protection, provision. He promises health care. And he promises they are going to be a nation of a blessing as a nation to all of the other nations. And that's how we are as sons of God. We are to bless wherever we go. Our Father provides and protects us. We don't have to work to get Him to do that. He's already promised to do it without us having to do anything. It's one of His promises that He's given to us, and it's our inheritance. But the orphan mindset, the orphan mindset tries to... um move from rules and, and honor to surviving by self. Now, one of the first ways we see this happening is we see it in the relationship of Adam and his relationship with God. Now, God created man in his own image. God is spirit, so man was created as a spiritual being. And every day, God would come in the cool of the morning and would speak to Adam. And he would talk to him. They would just fellowship together. When the temptation came from the enemy to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, And Adam did. He partook and he ate of that. The eyes of his soul were opened up. Now, before, he was communicating spirit to spirit with God. And so his spirit was ruling him. Now, it's always God's intent that we are led by the spirit of the Lord. We read that in Romans 8.14. So our spirit is to rule us, not our souls. But when the enemy came in and said, surely you'll be able to see like God, the eye of Adam's soul was opened up and he could begin to see that he could live independently from God as his father. In Luke, I believe it was in chapter three, when it goes down to genealogy, it actually references and speaks of Adam as being a son of God, not the son, that was Christ Jesus, but a son. So in his relationship, God saw Adam like a son, and God was the father. He had a relationship with him. He had a family. He was building a family. And so what we begin to see now is that once the eye of his soul was opened up, he partook of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which he did not follow or obey what the Lord gave him to do. He then immediately began to provide and take care of himself. The first thing he recognized was that he was naked. Now, he was never naked in his spirit. His spirit always had a covering. His spirit had clothes. That which clothed him was his flesh. Now, Jesus talked about how, or I should say Paul in 1 Corinthians, how the temple, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so our bodies are, are meant to house the Spirit of the Lord. That's where we commune with God. That's where we have relationship. It's spirit to spirit. And the spirit is within our body. The soul is the will, the mind, and the emotions, our intellect, our reasoning. And then we have our physical body, the flesh. So what happened with Adam is that once he decided to obey what God told him to do, the relationship was broken. A covenant was broken in that relationship. He now began to see with his soul, and once that happened, he no longer followed God as his father, but he then became an orphan in that moment, and he began to act independently from God. He said, "Whoa, I'm naked. Well, before, he had been naked in the garden for a while, along with Eve, but they didn't see that. They didn't see that their physical body didn't have clothing, because they were communing by spirit. And their soul submitted to the Spirit of God, and their body submitted to the soul, and the soul was submitting to the Spirit. So all things were under the rule of their soul. And so from the beginning of time, God has been in a process of bringing forth redemption through Jesus Christ to restore and to redeem that which was lost at the beginning. And this is what happened, is that once Adam's soul opened up, and he could begin to see that he could act independently of God, the first thing he noticed was that he was, one, ashamed, and two, because of his shame and perhaps his guilt, he had to clothe himself. So he immediately made loincloths, put clothing on himself, did it for Eve, and then he ran and he hid. And so there's something that God has put in all of us. That is to have an identity, that's to have a place of provision and protection. It's to have a place um, to belong. But all of those things can only be found in Christ Jesus. Now, if we don't accept that and walk in the fullness of that promise and that inheritance of being restored back to the Father in proper relationship where we begin to learn how to live, because this is a completely different culture than the one we've always known. You know, so you can, that's why you can, you can believe in Christ, but still live as an orphan. There's a complete paradigm shift that has to take place when you begin to live as a son. We've always known what it was to be an orphan. And then this, this is, has inundated the Christian church, has inundated the institutional church in so many ways. In so many ways, where people are living independently of God. They've got to work to get something. They become uh, self-reliant in many ways. So the Lord is trying to bring us back to a place where this orphan mindset is broken so that we put our identity as sons back into who our father is. And I said earlier, and I said this in some videos, and I'm saying again in this podcast, is that there was one thing that God wanted everybody on the earth to know right now, is that he is a father. And he's calling his sons back to him. But it's not just easy as far as knowing it. We can know it and hear all the words and still not live it. Still not live it. See, it's got to be something more than just having the teaching. We've got to see it modeled. And so the Lord's bringing forth new wineskins right now. Fathers who are more mature men and women of God who are showing the younger how it is to live in the kingdom of God. Because the orphan does not come into its full inheritance. And the inheritance is those things that God has promised them from the beginning that says, I'm already going to give this to you. All you got to do is believe. And the inheritance is also a part of your destiny, your purpose, and your calling upon your life. Many people don't know what their destiny and purpose is. And they feel like, or they think, that they have to do something in order to achieve or in order to get And so this orphan mindset is something that God wants to break. This fatherlessness, the caring for self out of the soul realm and out of the flesh. So um, one of the things I want to look at here real quickly before we close with this portion is Malachi chapter 1. This is one of my uh, favorite scripture verses. Um, I've always been fond of, of Jacob. So in Malachi chapter 1, the Lord says this in verse 2, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but I have hated Esau. And I have made his mountains a desolation and appointed his inheritance for the jackals of the wilderness." Though Edom says we have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear down and men will call them the wicked territory and the people toward whom the Lord is is indignant forever. Your eyes will see this and you will say the Lord be magnified beyond the border of Israel. Verse six, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you? So what you see is a picture here of God coming and saying that I am a father. In the very last book of of the Old Testament, before there's going to be 430 years of silence, prophetically, 430 years of silence. Nothing's written down until we see, um, you know, the beginning of this, of the, the New Testament picture. One of the last things we see is God revealing himself as a father. And he says, Esau, I hated. And that word, literally, if you look it up, means he loved less. But Jacob I loved. Why did he love Jacob? But he he didn't love Esau or he loved him less. Well, it says because of the inheritance. Esau was the firstborn son. His name, Esau, literally means red clay. It means coming up out of the earth, coming up out of the out of the dirt. Um, Jacob, he loved. I remember the story of Esau and Jacob. Birthright, the older brother, got a double portion because that was his inheritance. But Jacob, he wanted the inheritance. He wanted the birthright. He had it in his heart. Now, I know there were, he had some issues in his soul. He did it through deception. And God dealt with that later on in his life. But God looks into the heart. And God looked into Jacob's heart, and he saw that he was desperate for his inheritance. He was desperate for the birthright. Edom, or Esau, excuse me, Esau didn't care. He came in out of, out of working in the fields. Jacob made a pot of stew. And Esau said, man, I'm famished. I'm going to die. Give me something to eat. And Jacob said, I will give you some of the stew, but you give me your birthright. Jacob had a heart for the eternal. He had a heart for the inheritance of God. He had a heart for that which was spiritual. Esau wanted the earth. He wanted the worldly and the earthly things. See, that was the orphan. And so what God was seeing was the orphan and a son. A son desired the full inheritance and said, "Not even that. Give me a double portion of it." And God says, "Jacob, I love. Esau, I hated. And Esau's inheritance I will give to the jackals of the field." We can forfeit our inheritance when we live as sons or live as orphans. And so He has not called us to be an orphan, but He's called us to be sons. Now, in some future broadcasts, we're going to talk further about sons versus orphans. But I just wanted to give a little bit of a taste today because this is a part of the inheritance, is that we are called as sons. We're not called to function out of our soul realm or out of the flesh. We're called as sons to be led by the Spirit of God. And those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. And as children of God, these are heirs of God. We read that in Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. So as we see here, friends, that um, It's going to be very important as we begin to move forward that we come to know God as our father, that we come to know him as our father. That's what he's wanting us to know. And to be a part of the bride company, I'm going to share this in, in, in some future podcasts. One of the first things we're going to have to do to be a part of that bride that he comes back for is to know God as our father. Now, as we continue into this next section of the uh, overcoming the spirit of poverty, I'm going to begin to talk about two things that the Lord showed me that can bring us under the influence of the spirit of poverty. It opens a door to this demonic principality to come in. And over time, it takes this legal right in our lives. And we've got to be able to overcome these two aspects. Now, there's more. There's many things that can open up the door to the spirit of poverty. But I'm just saying, for now, what I feel like the Lord wants me to share, I'm going to talk about these two things that tries to get us to forfeit our inheritance, that gets us to try to live as orphans. And it opens up this door where the enemy can come in and suffocate us from entering into the promise and the inheritance of God and that which he has for us. So I ask you to come back and join me on Overcoming the Spirit of Poverty, Part 2. This is Eagle Eye Perspectives. I'm Brian Eichelberger. And thank you for joining us. Grace, grace to you and to your household.